Chapter Twenty Eight of the Expedition of the Donner Party and Its Tragic Fate. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Expedition of the Donner Party and Its Tragic Fate by Eliza P. Donner Houghton. Chapter Twenty Eight. Elitha, Francis, and Mr. Miller visit us. Mrs. Bruner claims us as her children. The daguerreotype. The springtide of 1852 was bewitchingly beautiful. Hills and plain were covered with wild flowers and countless shapes and hues. They were so friendly that they sprang up in dainty clusters close to the house doors, or wherever an inch of ground would give them foothold. They seemed to call to me, and I looked into their bright faces, threw myself among them, and hugged as many as my arms could encircle, then laid my ear close to the ground to catch the low sound of moving leaf and stem, or of the mysterious ticking in the earth, which foretells the coming of later plants. Sometimes in my ecstasy I would shut my eyes and lie still for a while, then open them inquiringly, to assure myself that all my favorites were around me still, and that it was not all a daydream. This lovely season mellowed into the summer, which brought the most unexpected letter from our sister Frances, who had been living all these years with the family of Mr. James F. Reed in San Jose. Childlike, she wrote, I am happy, but there has not been a day since I left Sutter's Fort that I haven't thought of my little sisters and wanted to see them. Hiram Miller, our guardian, says he will take me to see you soon, and Elitha is going too. After the first few days of wondering, Grandma rarely mentioned our prospective visitors, nor did she show Georgia or me the letter she herself had received from Aletha. But we reread ours until we knew it by heart, and were filled with delightful anticipations. We imagined that our blue-eyed sister, with the golden curls, would look as she did when we parted, and recalled many things that we had said and done together at the fort. I asked Grandma what guardian meant and after she explained I was not pleased with mine and dreaded his coming, for I had not forgotten how Mr. Miller had promised me a lump of sugar that night in the Sierras, and then did not have it for me after I had walked the required distance. Nor could I quite forgive the severe punishment he administered next morning, because I refused to go forward, and cried to return to mother when he told me that I must walk as far as Georgia and Francis did that day. Autumn was well advanced before the lumbering old passenger coach brought our long-expected guests from the embarcadero, and after the excitement of the meeting was over, I stealthily scanned each face and figure, Mr. Miller's stocky form and coarse dark clothes, his cold gray eyes, uneven locks, stubby beard, and teeth and lips browned by tobacco-chewing were not unfamiliar, but he looked less tired, more patient, and was a kindlier-spoken man than I had remembered. Elitha, well-dressed, tall, slender, and regular of feature, had the complexion and sparkling black eyes which mark the handsome brunette. I was more surprised and disappointed, however, to see that the girl of twelve, who slipped one arm around Georgia and the other around me in a long, loving embrace, had nothing about her that resembled our little sister Frances, except her blue eyes and motherly touch. The week of their visit was joyous indeed. Many courtesies were extended by friends with whom we had traveled from time to time on the plains. 
one never-to-be-forgotten afternoon was spent with the boggs family at their beautiful home amid orchard and vineyard near the foothills on sunday the bell of the south methodist church called us to service in those days the men occupied the benches on one side of the building and the women and children on the other and i noticed that several of the young men found difficulty in keeping their eyes from straying in our direction and after service more than one came to inquire after grandma's health mr miller passed so little time in our company that i remember only his arrival and his one serious talk with grandma when he asked her the amount due her on account of the trouble and expense we two children had been since she had taken us in charge she told him significantly that there was nothing to pay because we were her children and that she was abundantly able to take care of us in proof she handed him a daguerreotype taken the previous year it pictured herself comfortably seated and one of us standing at either side with an elbow resting upon her shoulder and a chubby face leaning against the uplifted hand she was arrayed in her best cap handsome embroidered black satin dress and apron lace sleeve ruffs kerchief watch and chain we were twin-like in lace trimmed dresses of light blue dimity striped with a tan-colored vine blue sashes and hair ribbons and each held a bunch of flowers in her hand it was a costly trinket in a case inlaid with pink roses in mother-of-pearl and she was very proud of it grandma's answer to mr miller was a death knell to elitha's hopes and plans in our behalf her little daughter had been dead more than a year sister leanna had recently married and had gone to a home of her own and the previous week the place made vacant by the marriage had been given to francis with the ready approval of hiram miller and mr and mrs reed she had now come to sonoma hoping that if mr miller should pay grandma for the care we had been to her she would consent to give us up in order that we four sisters might be reunited in one home elitha now foresaw that such a suggestion would not only result in failure but arouse grandma's antagonism and cut off future communication between us end of chapter twenty eight recording by david lawrence july two thousand nine in brampton ontario